0: Greetings, one and all. Welcome once again, and welcome back to the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. We are broadcasting to you live from the year 2015. It's very exciting to be here. I'm Greg. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, your podcasting pal and mine, Matteo. Hey, Matteo.
1: Hey, how's it going, Greg?
0: Oh, pretty good, pretty good. I guess we'll uh, talk about why we're feeling, what's making us feel good in a minute. Uh, that That was a beer... Um, reference uh and we also today uh for the first time we have joining us our special working man's honest bicycle program technical consultant (laughs) technical correspondent ian schmidt ian hey how's it going
2: pretty good i i haven't been upgraded that many times in one sentence and
0: ever well i was i couldn't actually decide if you were a consultant or a correspondent so you're both
2: so if i write you
0: advice about things i could be both yeah okay well and, yes well you know the correspondent part you're gonna report on what's good and what's i'll
2: do that yes yeah i've got I, opinions
1: you know. <laughs> don't worry
0: <laughs> that's all you need on this
2: show
1: we, we we were we were just talking about how this show is just we need some more opinions about things on yeah pretty much on exactly that program. It was like
0: ah yeah the show is good but there's kind of a shortage of opinions we don't that's about
1: crap, crap enough
0: talking to
2: you guys so you just didn't have opinions
0: yeah yeah, well, you're here to fix that for us, well, for one night me. only. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe more than one, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see how you go, it's a trial we'll run for you.
2: See
0: how badly I am. <laughs> right. So anyway, I'm, I'm really glad um, things, things could have been disastrous tonight, um, because Maddie very nearly ended up podcasting from a dry county, so to speak. Oh, heavens. Uh, yeah. But you're, you're
1: all I- sorted out? It was dangerous. I realized last night that uh today is Sunday and that beer is not sold in Minneapolis on Sunday unless you are lucky enough to go to a gas station and get 3.2 which Ooh. god forbid. Yeah. Um unfortunately, right? you know when when you mention that you need something on Twitter and you've got really good people <laughs> in your life, <laughs> the universe obliges. So I went to my friend Aaron's house. He uh uh he and leslie this, also my friend this is aaron right?
0: also also known as uh, minneapolis musette on twitter right
1: on the twitter indeed and i just expect to walk away with like two cans of whatever i need to lubricate myself for this year <laughs> two podcast. tall boys but instead they they ply me with oh some belgian golden some new glaris delicious black ipa which is what i'm guzzling on now and some other things and. Jersey from Puerto Rico. I don't really entirely understand what happens because I'm a little bit brain frazzled from a threshold workout this morning, but whatever happened it was terrific.
2: But wow. Jersey? You're frazzled from a workout this morning? Mhm. Yeah, I'm I worked out this wrong. evening. Man.
0: <laughs> but I didn't do threshold, so I'm I'm good to go. I'm just <laughs> I'm just tired.
2: <laughs> and I don't really ride bikes anyway, so I'm, you know, out of the conversation.
0: Uh. What are you doing here? We, yeah, all, are we, you... All
2: know, we all know consultants don't actually do anything right. I have a clipboard and opinions. I didn't say I did this stuff.
1: Oh, I, see. I spent all a number right. of years as a consultant. And, uh, I, like, <laughs> I, I like to think that I did stuff.
0: I'll have you know, sir, that consulting is an honorable profession. <laughs> yes. Oh. oh, my God. Okay. Uh, well, I, I guess I'll just tell you what I have because I, I want to. I just want to advocate for um, the land of my birth, which is the state of Massachusetts, and we have a, a a brewery here called Jack's Abbey, and I'm drinking something called Kiwi Rising Double IPM. IPM? No, sorry, IPL, which stands for India Pale Lager, because Jack's Abbey does only lagers. How about that? Really fascinating. Uh, fascinating. I know and they're good they're really good
2: that's even more fascinating for a lager
0: oh sir <laughs> you you shut
1: your mouth okay <laughs> The <worst man's laughs> we're five some. minutes into a uh guest related episode we're already taking off our gloves and slapping each other <laughs> so this is fine
0: as long as they're classy gloves yes, um, mm-hmm. strap yourselves in boys and girls I recently moved from fun. one
2: of the more snobby beer cities in the country in Seattle to what has really got to be just about the snobbiest beer city in the country, of Bend, Oregon.
0: Um, Portland might be snobbier. Uh, they think they are, sure.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> a anyway. fine answer.
0: That is just a perfect response. <laughs> Portland if, thinks a lot of things.
2: If you've been to Portland, you'll know that I'm not wrong. I just might not be right. Um,
0: <laughs> but yeah, I uh, have been to Portland. <laughs> actually, yeah, as, it,
2: as it turns out, I believe Bend currently is the uh, U.S. champion for uh, local breweries per capita. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're winning that one handily at this point.
0: I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that really tells you, but
2: I mean, it is a
0: smaller population. I, I think know. it was Colorado Springs, wasn't it, for a while? It was, yeah. And honestly, I, I yeah. In Colorado's like we're the best craft brew beer state in the nation. It was I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Colorado, we love you. A little. Watch it be totally wrong, and it wasn't Colorado Springs. I was thinking of. I don't know.
2: Yeah.
0: That was the one where they turned off all the streetlights, right?
2: No. I haven't. All yet, right, moving
1: yeah. on. <laughs> I'm oh, I wanted to tell a
2: lot of things, but that's not one of
1: them. <laughs> yeah so so as we're talking about all these like pieces of crap that we ride um i think it's worth kind of pivoting to uh greg you just bought something that's not a piece of crap right
0: oh god i hope it's not a, ian's probably gonna tell us it's a piece of crap but,
1: so, <laughs> so i on it it couldn't possibly
0: be bad could it,
1: it couldn't
2: be marketing <laughs>
0: uh yeah so i just bought i just bought a power meter I just bought a power meter. I bought a Stages. I bought a Stages power meter.
2: Does that make, make two or three of us on power meters now?
0: Um. Are you on a power meter, Ian? Sadly. Sadly? It's not sad. Be proud. It's okay. I,
2: I am on my, God, fourth power meter right now. That's okay, that,
0: sad. Yeah, that is kind of sad, actually. If I sell them all Sean. for a
2: profit after using them, I'm less sad about it. But <laughs> still.
0: I... I really doubt I'll be able to sell this thing for a profit, especially since like no one else rides 165 cranks from what I can tell. <laughs> but uh, I don't
2: know. those tri geeks are all heading that way real fast. Track bikes. I mean, track bikes. Yeah. Maddie and I ride 165s. All the triathletes in the
1: world are switching uh, to one 167 and and a half But who's counting?
0: Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I bought a power meter, and I guess it might be a reasonable thing to talk about, kind of. Training tools and the money on it, you know. So the WHP per, WHBP perspective on that, and uh, I don't know what we think of that in general. And also, and you can tell me why why I've made a terrible, terrible choice with that particular power meter. But I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to help me out a lot.
1: Well, know. so so here's my question for you, Greg. Mm-hmm. Um, if I if some like twenty year old kid came up to me and said, uh, I'm really into the idea of bike racing and I'm ready to like start bike racing and commit and blah 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 blah. You know, what kind of bike should I buy? I would probably tell them that for a little over a thousand dollars, they could get them a bike that could last them years, bike racing. Especially if they had a shop hookup. Um and if they were willing to be patient and look on Craigslist and eBay and Facebook and Twitstagram that they could probably find something like, you know, a a five-year-old race bike with Shimano 105 for about six or seven hundred dollars. Which is about what you spent on your new fancy data science toy.
0: Well, I did get the Altegra 6700 one, which I I will admit is eight hundred dollars.
1: But, still. So, given but but given sort of that perspective like justify yourself
0: yeah um i've been thinking about this for a while actually because uh for for a very long time i've been uh training by like perceived exertion and uh also known as the yes the feels <laughs> shortly after that how do we how do we science hashtag the feels exactly how do
2: we how do we quantify this
0: <laughs> well that's well that's exactly that well that's that's a very good point Ian, because that's exactly the reason that we you know we should all be training by power all the time because it doesn't lie and it's not feelings based uh I mean, more seriously, you know, I've wanted for a very long time to actually give this power-based training thing a try, but, you know, I've either, for the most part, it's just been like, I cannot justify um, the money against my level of commitment. In the Absolutely. last few years, in the last few years, I've been... Um, Ha- you know, very happily for me, able to have a higher level of commitment to the sport after you know a couple years where I was really not doing much, which was like in 2010, 2011. But in in 2012, uh, I was able to pick it up again, and and I've been doing actually a lot better since I've been able to spend more time actually riding my bike and training. So it's it's been more reasonable, but I haven't had you know I haven't had the money. But the stages is. is The closest thing to affordable, um, that's kind of readily available right now, you know, aside from the power tap, but um, Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, I don't really want to go, yeah, I I don't really want to go into the technical details of like, oh, this power meter versus that power meter and why you know, um, you know, you should pick this, that, or the other thing because I I actually don't have that much personal experience with it. Suffice to say, I wanted to, to try it out, but until very recently, I didn't feel like I could spend for it. Um, but I did, and, you know, I'm I'm definitely convinced that it's a more precise way to do your training. Um, and I, I guess the question is going to be, you know, can I make this work? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't feel like there's a whole lot to justify other than that. I've wanted to do it for a while. I've really resisted for a long time, um, you know, just wasting money on it. Uh, and now i'm going to find out uh if it really can help me train in a kind of more precise way and and really identify, you know, strengths and weaknesses more uh with more precision. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, cuz i've been doing the heart rate thing for a very long time and and I might be and i find it uh frustrating in a lot of ways because I don't know am I reading if I'm really fresh, um, it reads really high to the point that you know I'm not working that hard, but my heart rate is telling me that I'm you know at threshold when I'm really kind of more at tempo or, or whatever. Uh, right. Or if I've got some been, been training hard, and I'm fatigued and then your heart rate doesn't respond as quickly or you're just fitter and your heart rate doesn't respond as rapidly and then it's like well I think I'm putting out a thresholdish level effort but my heart rate says I'm only doing like high endurance right yeah and I find you know so the the more precise nature of the output is something that appeals to me that's the main reason sounds good yeah,
1: I mean that. Yeah, that, that's that's about it. Is power meters are going to let you precisely hone in on on your training zones, your power output.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess, we don't use re- sorry. Go ahead.
1: I, I know that my question probably sounded like pretty judgmental,
0: but really I was just <laughs> setting the <a> stage. Um,
1: <laughs> I was just setting the stage because I I've never used a power meter. Uh, and I'm not I'm not really against them. Um, I've had cycling computers on my bikes, but I don't have one right now. Just because I, I took it off because it was kind of annoying me. Um, hmm. I would go for I'd go for a ride, and I'd look down. And it would say oh, 18.2 miles an hour, and I'd be like, I'm faster than this. I'm gonna go <laughs> 21.6 miles an hour, and I, I would really just basically be having like a sibling argument with the display of my cycling computer instead of riding my bike right you know like yeah. you say i'm slow i think i'm fast what no you are you're ugly um
0: well <laughs> so and it's funny because it i i, I think a there's a
2: point and a point that doesn't get talked about nearly enough in the internet echo chamber of power meter opinion so i'm, I'm glad you're talking about it because that's that's really pivotal to the whole discussion
1: yeah, I mean, you know, pe- people who who train with power a lot and who race with power a lot, they they tend to get really very well acquainted with their numbers. And I have heard people say before, um, "I I couldn't follow that move in the race. Um, I was already doing, you know, I was already doing 400 watts or whatever, however many number of watts." And I think that if you if you only go by what you've already done, then you're you're missing out on the potential for you know digging a little bit deeper than you thought you could, or a personal best, or or this and that, you know. So so getting a little bit too glued and too accustomed to your numbers can can be pretty detrimental. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, to yeah, I mean if you're absolutely happens, one hundred percent
0: happens. Though uh, mm-hmm. of course you know that risk doesn't exist with heart rate monitors as well. You know, I mean, there's actually a, I think uh, Greg Lamont uh, had a story where mm-hmm. it does. He, he he would, um, he was doing a time trial in the Giro or something and could have gone harder, but he was like, well, my heart, you know, heart rate monitor was telling me this. So I didn't. And then I realized at the end that I had way too much left and I could have gone faster, but I was holding myself back because of the heart rate monitor, you know, so that, that goes back a long time. I don't know. It's like... Part of what makes me feel okay about it is that I sort of historically, like, yeah, I guess, like it. I, I hear, I, I, I feel the same feels as you, Mario, when it comes <laughs> to looking at, you know, the computer and being like, oh, am I really that slow? Geez, like I can go faster than that, but in you know, I, I've been relatively successful in not letting that. Uh, I don't know, break me out of what my plan is mm-hmm. and, and, not being like, I'm just going to like pound the pedals because it says I'm doing like 16 and a half miles per hour average. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's like pathetic, <laughs> you know, and instead in, and, you know, and, and that's played out reasonably well. And that, you know, despite having, you know, sometimes seeing that, like when you're on a long ride and, and there's lots of hills or whatever, you know, I still go to like my crits or whatever, and it's like, all right, I'm doing okay. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's, that gives me some hope and, and, Well, Greg. Yes, Ian. I've got some really good news for you. <laughs> What's up? You made What's a good the news? choice.
2: Just because, you know, we're keeping people <laughs> in suspense for so long. You made a good choice. How's that?
0: Oh, oh, you mean in terms um, of which, which, uh, which, which device I purchased?
2: Well, yeah, and also just the fact that you seem to be pretty well adjusted about what you're hoping to get out of it. You know, it, it, parameters are training tools. They're, they're sort of terrible race tools, actually.
0: Um, but I, I, I guess know. I can see a point for like yeah. pacing and the time trial with them, but beyond that, yeah. Sorry, yeah, go
2: but on. how how many of the listeners of this podcast are like total time trial aficionados? Oh, Probably not many because we're not <laughs> I <Brits. hate> time
0: <laughs> trials. But anyway,
2: um, you know the the stage's power meter is not the most accurate power meter in the world. Everyone sort of knows this. Oh, sure. Um, it's a fantastic training tool, specifically actually for longer intervals. Intervals under five minutes. It's sort of not. Ro- completely reliable it's somewhat reliable uh, because of some nerdy technical details that we're not even going to talk about um (laughs) it's accurate ish (laughs) under five minutes but it's actually darn accurate at everything over five minutes and so for the vast majority of what you know honest working middle class or any other class bike racers do you know it's a fantastic training tool um, yeah, but the other thing that I'm really, really so stoked that we're talking about already um, is the fact that it's not a cure all, and that numbers don't win races. Racers win races, absolutely fact. Um, yeah, and so yeah. just just having it as a training tool, I don't know. Um, a, a quick straw poll among my racer friends who are actually legitimately fast um, revealed one person out of like seven that actually even displays watts during races everybody else doesn't even look at it so you know it's a great training tool i think in terms of you know is it or is it not a legitimate purchase for an honest working bike racer i think if you have the money it is Easily the best training aid I can think of other than more hours in the day. Um, yes. My background, I've been using power meters since 2009, late 2008, early 2009, I guess. Sure. Um, I've used a bunch of them, and you get out of it what you put into it. It takes a bunch of time off the bike, which is something no one ever told me when I started. And I was, you know, riding with a power meter and not seeing the results people were talking about. And I later realized it's because I wasn't doing the, that science work off the bike, figuring out what's going on and how to fix it. Because what the power meter tells you is it tells you what you're bad at um, comparatively. And then you work on that. The, the intervals that you're going to do or the training you're going to do makes you faster. The power meter's got nothing to do with that. It just tells you what you've done. And then you have to do this analysis to figure it out,
0: which is a little bit
2: complicated at first. It's why most people pay for a coach, which I don't think people really need to do, but you know, it does take time. And if you don't have time, whatever,
1: pay somebody else. That, it go ahead. That analysis part is is actually what intrigues me the most because it, you know, while I, I, I like the idea of um racing bikes being more fun than training and trying to make training fun and not just being glued to numbers. But I I also like the idea of, you know, borrowing a power meter for a handful of races, a handful of like really hard races where I struggle and I struggle and I struggle and and maybe I get popped um, really hard. And then looking at the numbers and thinking, uh, you know, having this very scientific analysis of my weakness is... Da 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 you know, whatever it is, whatever the, the data show. Because, you know. Which is funny you mentioned it, because you turned to, me to down at, for to the Marymore GP. That. What's that?
0: He said you turned him He's, down for the Marymore GP. Which is funny
1: because you turned
2: GP. me down for an SRM at the Marymore oh, yeah. GP when I offered you one.
1: Yeah. Well, I yeah. That was that was for Heidi's bike. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and actually, the Marymore GP would have no, been it was probably. your a, bike, man. But whatever. Hey. What? Well, oh, jeez. Ah, oh, jeez. Let's redo. Um, and that would have been. <laughs> that would have been a terrific race for that because that points race was really fast and it was also very difficult and I think the two were related.
0: Funny how that. Goes. <laughs> they might have been. Yeah, that's actually a big part of what, you know, kind of got me thinking about it for a long time was uh, borrowing. Well, I went out for a ride with a friend um, like before my second, during the winter before my second season of racing, like January 2009 or February or something like that. And he had just gotten a a wired power tap. um, Ruby. Yeah, and we were close enough to the same height that I could, like, hop on his bike and and do a few efforts and sort of see what happened, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was really interesting because it was like, oh, okay, so your best five-second effort, you know, that you did here um, when you're not in great shape or whatever was, you know, 897 watts, whatever, which – You know is not to like brag like oh look at my sprint or anything like that but it was it was kind of like oh that actually makes a lot of sense based on what i've been doing because i started Mm -hmm. racing and i thought all right i'm you know i'm short i'm like 123 pounds like obviously (laughs) i'm gonna be a really good climber like of course uh and then i i really wasn't that good at climbing um you know, I wasn't the worst out there, but I was, I was kind of getting uh, my ass kicked uh, on the, on the big, long climbs. And that really put it into context. It was like, oh, well, geez, no wonder I'm enjoying crits and placing, you know, in the top 10 or the top five uh, in these different races. It's because I actually do have, you know, some pretty snappy power at the shorter durations, you know, and, and I didn't really get an opportunity to, to do that much with it but it it did kind of help set me on the path of even though i didn't have a power meter for a long time of of actually thinking kind of more objectively about what am i doing you know and what seems to be working for me what am i good at
2: Mm -hmm. yeah it gives you this fantastic quantitative angle to what you're doing what is working what is not working i would say that absolutely 100 percent the the races I've, I've won that I'm, I'm proud of is absolutely directly correlated to my looking at my power meter stuff after a race and saying, well, there's this thing I didn't think I was good at it, but turns out I am. How do I take this thing that I'm decent at and how do I win races with it? And then you work with your tactics backwards from these things that you realize you're good at. And there was stuff that I thought I was good at. I thought I was going to be a great time trialist, um, and turns out I'm not. I'm an okay time trialist. And There's this other thing I'm actually kind of humorously good at. Um, it's not very helpful. You can't win races with it. Turns out, but yeah. just working backwards with tactics and trying to figure out, you know, quantitatively, how do I how do I match up the racer with this science bit of what I know is going on? Um, and that's fascinating. It opens up a whole new avenue of of tactics and how you think about the race because we're actually clear on what we're good at and what we're not good at. Um, yeah, I, I think I would say power meters are sort of good for a couple things. Um, in training, they usually tell you to go a lot harder during your hard efforts than you, th- than you want to, um, RPE, <laughs> perceived exertion famously. Uh-huh. And there's a bunch of studies about this. says it lies like the body it lies. A liar flat out you're like oh i'm dying no you should be going a lot harder and the power meter tells you that (laughs) and on your recovery rides your power meter tells you you need to be doing a lot less work because (laughs) you know you're
1: a racer and you want to go fast um i really i really want i i just want a power meter to legitimize my desire to go really slowly on recovery rides
2: (laughs) or like me you could take a hiatus from racing and never go fast
1: (laughs) It really is. It really is
0: the worst when you, you know, say, "Hey, hey, friends, let's go do a recovery ride together." And everybody's half wheeling. Yeah, it's like, oh no, no, I really like get new no. friends. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't. I, I actually don't do recovery rides with friends. Really? I and have it, no friends. It can be really nice a topic for a different day.
2: Yeah, but yeah, but um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's basically than, what it amounts yeah, to. Yeah, other than power is telling you to either go. Harder in hard moments and slower in slow moments. The other thing they're fantastic at is identifying what you are actually doing. And then if you're intelligent about it, you work your tactics backwards from what you can do. Mm-hmm. My sprint is hilariously bad. And I am a trackie. And so you'd think I could sprint. Turns out I can't. I can't sprint my way out of a Cat 5 wet bag. So <laughs> I don't really try for that much anymore. But, you know, I, I, I was trying for a while and just wasting my time. So, yeah, you know, sure. if you have the money to pony up for an entry fee, which can be a little steep on these power meter things, and you're willing to give it time, I think it's a fantastic tool, but they sure can be a money sink once you buy a power meter and buy a head unit and get a coach to tell you what it's saying. Uh,
0: I give yeah, it
1: like, I, a, like an I think that if, yeah.
0: I think that if you have... Um the ability to get it you know i mean i don't know I, i'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen once i get it because you know i'm gonna have to do kind of the standard thing of just go and, and ride for a while and, and mm-hmm. keep keep using my heart rate monitor and sort of just see what it's telling me versus what the heart rate monitor is telling me uh but i think it could be you know if you're able to get your hands on you know one for whatever reason it, it could potentially be get you past a lot of pain and and difficult analysis of sort of what you're doing just like trying to think about it because it took me a really really long time to really to actually even get a vague idea of what you know what my strengths are what my weaknesses are and all that and you know of course it's not um yeah okay I guess it'll tell you maybe you can work backwards from tactics as you're saying, but it sure doesn't teach you how to race a bike. And I didn't really start to click on, on really racing a bike um, well until probably the 2013 season when I was uh, finally (laughs) a cat three. And in Tennessee uh, cat threes are often combined with the ones and twos. So it was like, oh, this is bike racing.
1: Yes. And you actually
0: start to, you actually get some, some classes essentially on what bike racing is actually like mm-hmm. and how to, how to do things like, Oh, okay. There's a break going and you know, maybe that's the winning break or there well, went well, to the way that
2: goes and... is break.
1: Well, <laughs> yes. There's well, a but after that I was able in 2000, of, I finally got to the front of the race and wait, there's a break up the road. <laughs>
0: yes yeah but it did get But you know that did get me to the point of last year even though you know having yeah. no fitness being like oh that's the attack I want to be in and you know that attack goes and, and that's the winning <laughs> winning move and so yes. on even though I have no ability to follow it you know things like that so yeah I don't know I guess I'll report back on it I, I wouldn't say that I'm going to review it uh, because I do not have any degree of experience with products of this kind with which to form a review i can tell you if i like it or i don't like it i guess mm-hmm. you know but yeah oh and i want to see to the comment about the, the kind of length of um intervals that the stages works for is I, I think it it makes sense to me you know not as a power expert it seems to make sense to me as like a roadie's power meter uh, in that way, because for me, even, you know, with heart rate, obviously you can't, you really can't, uh, past threshold, make much use of a heart rate monitor anyway. Right. Uh, it's just, it's just useless. Uh, and especially with, you know, if you're talking to one minute, you know, three minute, five minute, um, intervals, you've, you're just going as hard as you can for that amount of time so it doesn't really bother me that for those shorter intervals okay it's not super accurate and it doesn't bother me if it's not going to tell me you know as a as someone who doesn't race on the track um i don't need to know with with great precision exactly what my output is at five seconds and at 20 seconds you know it's nice it's helpful to know to to a vague amount but Yeah, you know, so that was definitely a factor in in thinking about that as well as just not wanting to have to build a different wheel that weighed a bunch more. And I've heard bad things about reliability for those power tap hubs. (laughs) So, yeah. Bad noises. Can I, not can I, because I'm just going to.
2: Uh, Let me (laughs) offer a slightly different point of view on that. Um, Sure. We generally speaking train for the things that we care about. For example, bike races. We train for bike races. But more specifically, if you think about how bike races get won, at the amateur level, the saying goes, all amateur bike races end in a sprint. not totally accurate, but it gets darn close. Most amateur bike races end in a sprint, and most amateur bike races end in a bunch of silliness over the last one to six
0: minutes and so that sounds about right silliness
2: uh, yeah and i'm not the guy that's been hitting the ground a lot recently um that was over a year ago (laughs) heckling heckling i assume it was in a cross race or something (laughs) whatever um but you know yeah
0: i forgot about that
2: the uh the 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 meaningful intervals that i've done the stuff that i actually say because long-distance miles training, like base stuff, you could do have the with heart rate monitor. Sort of it doesn't actually matter. Um, you just need to keep it roughly in some sort of reasonable zone. But like the really targeted intervals I've done that mattered on the road were actually all sub-five minute, because I was training what, what do I want my body to do at the end of an hour-long crit. Well, well now
0: that? you're breaking my heart.
2: <laughs> Which is not to say... <laughs> Not to say the stage doesn't do it. It's to say, I mean, there's some science nerd stuff going on. But I would say I think it does matter at the shorter intervals because for most of us who are not going to solo away with a 30-minute display of ridiculous power, um, I think the shorter intervals that do win races, and most of us are there to win races, it's a new development for me trying to win, Um <laughs> Humorous, totally true. For a lot of years, I didn't think about winning. Um, you know, the stages stuff actually work, It works pretty well for that. It's just not the most accurate for that. So I would say, even as roadies, if we're training to win races, we're training fairly short efforts. Um, and the trick about all power meters, what everything gets back to the power meter, is um, not actually accuracy, but consistency. And the stages is consistent, so you're going to be fine. But it's See, just that's, that's actually for that's, our that's really
1: interesting to me is that, you know, it, any given power meter is going to tell you that, OK, you are doing X number of watts mm-hmm. and another power meter might give you a completely different reading. Um, yes. In fact, it it doesn't really it matter. You know, I, my stages threshold could be one thing and my SRM threshold could be 25 percent higher or lower. The you know the important part is using the same tool and yes. and precision rather than accuracy. You know the mm-hmm. fact that the readings are consistent rather than true.
0: Mm-hmm. Good good science vocabulary, Matt. Right? <laughs> yeah, and and that that
2: notion of repeatability is really what we're trying to get back to because that's what we base training on is the fact that we're going to do a lot of this stuff right. And so yeah, and
0: ultimately ultimately I am tired of in and, and precision is exactly the issue, right? This is why I'm so tired of trying to do so much of this stuff with a heart rate monitor because there's Where, way too many, many just, variables. It can't be done. It's just all over the map. Yeah, it, it really is it's ju- it's just ridiculous. I mean just today actually I was doing um you know a, a very uncomplicated trainer workout. I, and that's another thing is the kind of the precision of workouts you can do, but that's that's kind of a different discussion, I guess. Um, but you know, I was just doing, you know, a couple hours on the trainer, and in the midst of that couple hours, I was doing one just straight hour at tempo. Not, you know, this is not a crazy hard workout or anything like that. But the whole first almost half of that um, hour at tempo, it's like, I, boy, I feel like I'm doing tempo, but, you know, my heart rate's taking a long time to respond. You know, like the the per, perceived exertion seems good, but like, what's going? On? Am, am I just not going hard enough? am you know, am I just fatigued? Um, you know, what's going on? And that's something that I'm I'm kind of tired of having to ask myself, and and maybe per, you know potentially allowing myself to slack because it's like I can do that. You know, it's like I can do this, but am I doing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: and there, there's just no. No real way to know with heart rate. It's just more accurate than RPE. Is really what it has right. going for it. It's cheap. Uh, yeah, it's cheap and it's more accurate
0: than RPE. <laughs> it's very cheap. All right, so I'll report back on that at some point. Yeah, please do. Um, but but maybe we maybe we should move on. Hmm. Uh, because we've been on that for a while. Yep. Yeah. Let's. I, I did want to do a check in. We talked a little bit. Um, me me and Matteo back uh a couple months ago was it a couple months i'm not sure um but about sort of how the cyclocross season was shaking out and and mostly uh, Hmm. i think we were kind of admiring uh, kevin powell's consistency this season and now it seems like you know he's still very good and very consistent in the world cup races but that Man, it just all over the place and in, in all these other races, uh we knew they were doing well, but but now these under twenty three riders are just coming out and, and just clobbering absolutely everyone. Just in every race. It's either Matthew Vanderpool or, or uh Walt Van Art. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Anyone?
1: Yeah, I mean one of the things I think about is that with with Cyclocross having you know, two, two pro races every weekend and then the cursed period having like like, six or seven big races in the course yeah. of like under two weeks. Um, I think some riders pick and choose pretty hard. Right. So yeah, it's interesting. You know, Kevin Powell's if might be might be taking the start contracts, but resting. Sure. With his goal of winning the World Cup
2: overall. It's interesting if you um, look at the uh, on the American scene actually right now. There's a bunch of races in Austin the last four mm-hmm. or five days leading up to
0: Nationals, or in Dallas. Yeah, there's yeah. like resolutions, uh, cyclocross.
2: and because because every American cyclocrosser who either is or wants to be something is down there right now. And it's interesting to see you know who's winning races, who's entering, who's not entering, and just how. On, on Twitter some of them are being pretty frank actually. I know Tim Johnson and um uh, Driscoll are, are being pretty frank about, you know, what they're doing and what they're not doing. And you see some of the some of the guys that aren't gonna win nationals, frankly, just trying to make some money right now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh um, <laughs> fair, fair point.
2: Uh,
1: Ryan Tribone went on a Twitter rant about uh people who kind of cherry pick races um people who Dude. are only racing one day a weekend and cherry picking c1s so
0: oh i missed that, yeah, there's, there's that.
2: it's not it's sour grapes good. at all it's not sour grapes at all
0: <laughs> yes it is <laughs> well you're it's saying that because trabone has not been much of a, a force this season
1: well he's so he's been working through injury you know and kind of struggling yeah, to get yeah yeah um but he also uh is blunt and uncompromising mm-hmm. yeah he is that
0: well yeah he, he i mean you know it's not like he's just saying i mean like you could say it's sour grapes but he does kind of talk the talk he does he doesn't skip races really you know, right. if there's a big race he pretty if unless he's injured obviously um, you know, which he he's had a couple bouts with that in the past, too. There was, uh, what was it, a, a couple years ago when he did a number on his knee,
1: like mm-hmm. when he crashed on ago. a barrier. Yeah. yeah.
0: And had to sit out for a while. So, you know, fair, fair play to him on that. I mean, when he's, when he's healthy, he does pretty much everything. And, you know, there's definitely more of a history of guys like, um, powers skipping m- more races which isn't to say he skips a lot uh, cuz he doesn't but he has for example when he's feeling kind of under the weather gone and done you know if one one day on a race weekend is a C1 he'll do that um, but maybe not do the C2 day to recover
2: yeah well it's been interesting so my my favorite favorite cherry picker actually in the US circuit right now it's actually it used to be one of my neighbors um Seattleite, young Seattleite. We won't say his name. Um, Maybe you should his say name? his name. <laughs> okay, fine. It's Zach, right? So, Zach. McDonald. Yeah, yeah, Zach shows up for the money. And he is a fantastically talented racer. But, you know, he's there. He totally cherry picks races. And that's totally okay. He won a lot over the last weekend. He won Starcrossed, which was the biggest cash purse this year. And then you go to things like nationals or worlds and like the sort of iconic stuff that people are wanting to win to say they won it. And he's nowhere. You know, he's just not even, not even in the top seven, which is sort of interesting to me, given his skill set. Um, you know, it's just sort of because interesting.
0: He's, because he's a very technically uh, skilled rider and yeah. known to be good in like heavy courses mm-hmm. and money stuff.
2: I mean, I would, I would, I used to sort of commute through a park on the way to work, and I would frequently see him in the mornings, you know, out there practicing. He's uh, he's dedicated. He's a good racer, but he's cherry picking, and, and not actually for results, it seems, but for cash flow. Sort of <laughs> interesting, a very, a very honest working man bike sort of way to try to pay mm-hmm. his way in the world. I don't quite know his situation. I don't think he needs it, from what I know, but. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. You see guys like Powers that are there to win nationals. That's what he's there to do. He's there to go to Worlds and get a top ten. It's what he's there to do. And then you see other guys like Ben Burden that are there for a paycheck. It's a job, you know? Nothing wrong with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. so, so last year at Jingle Cross um, – Logan Owen, eighteen years old, was just coming out swinging. You know, attacking, also a Seattleite, I'd like to note, also a Seattleite and a damn fine racer. But but Logan Owen sort of put on a clinic of trying his, working his ass off to get a podium result. And on the the third day of this three race weekend, uh, Logan Owen gets out sprinted by Ben Berden for third, and he slams the handlebars in frustration. And <laughs> oh, he some, so Somebody I know. He was, he was so pissed. I think he got like, he may, he may have gotten like fourth or fifth, you know, every single race. And, uh, yeah. someone I know like commented like, yeah. yeah. And like, obviously thrown down with the big boys and someone I know commented that Ben Baird races his bikes. Like he's trying to feed his family. <laughs> <laughs> what a, What a great
2: model for this podcast, isn't it though? Like. <laughs> that is a grinded out blue collar approach because because pros are not like you and me you know it's a fundamental difference um they're not you know like um they don't win races they don't make rent and so it is a different game for them
0: yeah unless you're already a super established star you know right i mean you know i think that uh i think Sven Sven Ness is still drawing a nice paycheck even though he's not featuring much I mean and of course the the pay in the top 10 of the UCI big UCI cross races in Belgium is still pretty good (laughs) the payout there's actually been a bit of a uh, once again a flare of discussing uh, payout issues with men's and women's races Uh, Helen Wyman's been Mm -hmm. writing on that and tweeting about that and actually it's really great it's really worth um, checking out what she's had to say about that and i'll include a link in our show notes on that but but yeah it is it you know i mean it is a job and some people uh, some people are just kind of embrace that and and that's the way they race their bike and some people see that as maybe more selling out i don't know but uh, yeah i don't and as far as what's going on um overseas right with these young riders i i think that actually what maddie what you said it does kind of put it in perspective of you know maybe these young guys maybe van art especially right now in this cursed period maybe van art and Vanderpool, you know because they're god uh, what 19 years old 20 years old 21 yes. years old yes mm-hmm. are just right. They, they just don't care. They're just going out and killing at every race because they're young. Uh, yeah, they're and, young, and they they're can strong, they fresh. Yeah. It, also, it mm-hmm. also
2: helps that when it comes time to the world championships, they've all said they're racing U23s. Right. And they they know that they're getting first and second, and it's a question of which one is on which step because they're that far <laughs> ahead of everyone. And I, I love Logan Owen. He's a great kid. He's not beating them. He's not coming close. You know,
0: no, no, the best of the, the best of what we're seeing right now from the Americans in Europe is uh, in the juniors still.
2: Yeah, John Page is fighting real bad injuries. His back is just this might be his last year if his back keeps being this bad. But, you know, he's still making a better race than if he were he's making better living than if he were winning races in the U.S.,
0: yeah it's crazy it's crazy isn't it but uh, you know i mean uh, is
1: anybody in the u.s paying start contracts i doubt it uh
2: has for the last few years right especially now that they're not uci they can actually do that uh cross vegas pays start money but i believe those
1: are the only two yeah i mean that's just Mm -hmm. maybe something in the
2: northeast i don't know the promoters in the northeast at all
0: i don't think so Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I I think that they mostly just have, you know, prestige as far as that goes working for them. But I, I could be wrong. Yeah. If that.
2: they are, they're paying almost nothing because you look at the bottom line on these things. There is nothing to give. So, mm-hmm. um, StarCrossed yeah. and Cross Vegas are I think the two exceptions to that.
0: Well, you reminded me in that that actually U.S. Nationals is coming up. I don't know. Uh, do you have any thoughts about who's gonna win? Who's gonna win U.S. Nationals? i
2: think powers is darn hard to beat right now i don't think anyone's actually done it this year
1: it's very Um, i mean not really to bet against him yeah but
0: i i do think i don't know i I think of i think of other years that he's been seemingly on form and and like todd wells has come out of nowhere (laughs) oh todd
2: wells is such a sniper he is ridiculous um Tim Johnson, but, if he doesn't retire this year, is going to retire next year. Um, his body just can't mm-hmm. do it much anymore. So he's he'll certainly have a fire going. Um, Zach McDonald seems to have figured out some stuff that he he had a lot of talent the last few years and just couldn't seem to put it into race results very well. He seems to be doing a lot better, but but somehow, love you, Zach. Never quite against great opposition. Um, yeah. No, I, in, in, I I think Powers. I really hope Tribone comes through with second. Mm-hmm. I'd love Especially to
0: see with, with Austin looking likely, I mean, we'll see, but looking likely to be a really fast, co- like a really fast course. Yeah. In sort of true American style. I mean, the thing that, you know, with Todd Wells and, gosh, 2010, was it, in Portland, was that it was mm-hmm. super muddy.
2: Yeah, mountain uh, bike courses, Todd Wells is eight places better, you know. Yeah,
0: because he's also one in the snow, right, at Providence. Um... <laughs> I, thought it was I think Kansas that's right. City Where he won in the snow, but I could be no, wrong. Maybe it was—I don't know. Maybe it was Kansas City, but I don't know. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's very very difficult to bet against Jeremy Powers these days. He's he really pretty pretty much top dog.
1: Yeah, and he's, he he's just, just constantly possible. gets these little extra notches, you know. Yeah,
0: he just brings it up a little bit every year.
2: Yeah, yeah. he's resting this year, which is something he hasn't done a good job of previous years. In previous years, he would have raced if he was at 95% with his knee. And this year, well, this weekend, he didn't race because he was at 95%. And he wanted to be at 99.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see what happens uh, with him over the next, you know, as as kind of he moves from sort of uh, gradually from mid-stage to more, maybe not late stage, but, you know, kind of well into the mid-stage of his his career and, you uh, How much he can keep developing because you know his history is that he just keeps developing, even when you think, geez, he's 30 years old, like, where's there to go? But yeah, I think you know, maybe he can get a little bit better at the uh World Cups and stuff like that. But uh, we might be seeing something pretty close to what he can do against uh that crowd. I don't know, I don't know, yeah, we'll
2: see. I just think he's got a year or two until logan owen is just taking everybody's name in these big races
0: Um, well that's assuming logan owen stays in cyclocross he's his coach tells me that he's definitely going to be racing cross oh look at this guy talking to logan owen's coach (laughs) his coach is a good friend of mine it's a seattle thing
2: it's a small town when you get down to it um but yeah no he's uh he's so much better at cyclocross than road that he, Logan Own can go pro in Europe as a cross racer. He probably can't go pro Europe as a road racer. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But I don't,
0: I don't know. I mean, I don't know because you think that, you think, oh, you know, it, it's an easy stereotype to fall in where you think, oh, well, you know, the guys who are in cross who are winning, you know, and really good at that. The reason they're doing that is because they couldn't, couldn't make it as road riders. But dad, look at the top guys in Eurocross. They're, you know, they are... Could could definitely have professional road careers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and Logan Owen is a—he's won every junior national championship there is to win, pretty much, on the road. Um, yeah. It's just that yeah. cross is at a point where you can actually make money at it now, and sure. there's so Which is many. Nice. Like, come on! If you're trying to make it as a pro crosser, you don't have to deal with the countries of Italy or Spain. If you're trying to make it as a pro roadie, you sure as heck do. Like all the, all the Spanish, and Italian kids, they're not there at pro cross races.
0: That's true. All right, well that's I guess that's cyclocross. cross. Uh, I'm boy, I'm I'm pretty wiped out at this point. So maybe we should, uh, maybe we should call it a night. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Let's
1: let's sing that song.
0: All right. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Our WHPP technical consultant Ian Schmidt, thank you so much <laughs> for being with us. I I'm sure that we'll have you back to for, you know, more consulting on technical yeah. issues.
1: Ian, it's gonna uh, sit around and yak with you.
0: Yeah, I'm um, I'm
2: all into it. Next time let's
0: uh let's
2: talk stouts and coffee beers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, it'll happen, yeah, and we'll maybe we'll we'll get to the, the trainers and rollers like you wanted to.
2: Ooh. Mm, yeah. Mm. Good topic.
0: <clears throat> Yeah. Hey, where can uh, people find you on Twitter?
2: Um, good question. I my opinions show up at uh, a fairly odd handle. I won't bother trying to pronounce it. It's G Y E N Y A M E. Give me a follow. It's not very curated. It's mostly my opinions, most of which are grumpy. You've been warned.
1: <laughs>
0: Awesome. Yeah. And of course, you can find uh, me, Greg. I'm at Grolby on Twitter.
1: And, uh, Uh, oh, and and, uh, I'm the other one. I'm at underscore (laughs) Matteo on the Twitter bot, the Twitter phone, Twistagram.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Find. (laughs) <laughs> Find the show at underscore WHTVP on Twitter. You can email us on a spike program at gmail.com. Please do. I really want to see some emails from people. Come on, I know you're out there. Just email us. Say something. <laughs> Say something. Uh, and we will we will catch you soon. Thanks for listening. And rate us,
1: rate us on iTunes. Do that. Do oh, please, please do, yes. Review us. Tell us how awesome we are.
2: Which is very awesome.
0: Alright, good night.